welcome to the SK Strength Show, where I try to help you make sense of all things health, fitness, and performance. This podcast is for people who want their exercise and nutrition choices to enhance their life, not consume it. If you're looking for coaching, then you can inquire through the link in the description or by heading to SK Strength on either Facebook or Instagram. So, hope you enjoy this episode and we'll get right into it. Hello guys and welcome to this next Q&A that I'm going to do. So I've actually got loads of questions to get through today so I'm just going to kind of crack on with it but um, the fourth video for the Never Follow a Fad Diet group is going to be coming this week. Um, really excited to film that too. Um, just finished kind of doing all the notes for it. So yeah that'll be good. Um, I've also opened up the calendar, my calendar, for um, some one-to-one calls um, for anybody that needs some extra support and would like to go through some specific um, advice and stuff related to their goals and all of that sort of stuff. So like I say, loads of great questions today. Again, grab a pen and paper, maybe a cuppa, and we'll get right into it. So first one is any tips on how to implement routine? So um i've already this is uh, basically this is a mixture of client questions and never follow fad diet again questions so yeah just got i thought they'd be useful for for everybody basically so in terms of implementing your routine so start by going back over your values and your why to remind you why this is an important routine for you to do and an important routine for you to set up because often we can you know we start with a lot of motivation at the beginning and then it starts to wane and you kind of can lose sight a bit of why you're doing the things that you're doing so going back over those is always going to be a useful um, exercise to do in almost any situation when you're you're struggling with something um but particularly in this case, because a routine oftentimes is just as categorizing where these relatively mundane tasks are going to go into our life. And that might be a little bit exciting at the start, but it loses its shine very quickly because it's just, you know, when am I planning my meals? When am I cooking my meals? When am I going to the gym when am I going for a walk you know it's not particularly exciting stuff but when it's got a deeper meaning and your why behind it that is often what gives it its value so go back over those and remind yourself why it is that you want to do this once you've done that write down a list of daily and weekly actions that you need to do to set up these behaviors um, and make them become a routine So whether that is, you know, three to five things each day that you have to do or each week that you can essentially tick off each day, each week and know that you're working towards what it is you want to set up and give yourself enough time to establish a routine. Give yourself more time than you think you need to because it's likely that the routine you're setting up is in some way to replace 
previous routines and habits that have likely been built up over years, if not decades, depending on how long you've been wanting to change um, your habits and routine. So give yourself plenty of time. Allow yourself to experience knockbacks and deal with them accordingly by just moving on from them, not getting too disheartened by it. Because falling off off track, to put it in, in those words, I guess, is inevitable. And everybody does it at some point. Um, maybe there's some freaks out there that are always on it all the time. Um, and those people are probably in the Olympics and stuff. And that's not uh, what we should be aspiring to do. We shouldn't be aspiring to have these perfect routines in place all the time because if you aspire to do that and eventually it doesn't happen it's going to knock your your confidence if you are kind of prone to getting in your head about things and losing motivation um which is kind of the sort of people that I'm speaking to at the minute um you know, if you've reached out for help with nutrition, exercise, whatever it is, it's likely that your mindset towards these knockbacks needs to get, needs some practice, is, is what I'm saying, essentially. Um, so once you've got these actions that you know you need to work towards, the best thing we can do from there is try to set up your environment as much as possible to support those actions. So the person asking this question, it was in relation to their sleep. So I'm going to use that as the example. If you want to sleep better, create a better sleep routine, then we start by cultivating a good environment to sleep in. So that starts with your room, your bed, um, whether that is making sure things are organized in your room, um, whether that is making sure we're trying to keep the temperature down, making sure we're keeping it as dark as possible, unless you're scared of the dark, in which case, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say grow up, but that feels a little bit mean because I'm sure there's people that have very valid fears of the dark. But anyway, that's not important. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, set up your environment to help you default to the behaviours that you want to essentially make happen. Um, and oh, something else I was going to say. So yeah, the other thing with environment is that, particularly with sleep, I find that if you do, if you spend a lot of time in your room not sleeping, then. I think that probably makes it harder to sleep when you do end up needing to because we need to separate our environments a bit. It's kind of like when people um, are working from home and then they're trying to train at home and then they're also trying to relax at home and all of this. Like It's quite hard to... You need some separation, um, in my opinion. Uh, I'm sure there are people that manage it um, that don't do that but if you're struggling with your sleep or with 
whatever it is with implementing the routine, then try to separate your environments a little bit and see if that helps you to do that. And another thing that I think is kind of, it's a bit obvious, but it's also um, one thing people don't do a lot is to reach out when you're struggling with doing it, whether that's to a friend, family, um, a coach, me. <laughs> um, you know, we can't, not, we can't all do this completely on our own. Um, having some sort of social support however you find that is really important and is really helpful for maintaining habits when things get difficult because they always will. So having somebody or several people in your corner helping you out when you don't want to do things and helping you to kind of keep perspective and be able to see how far you've come and all of that sort of stuff I think is really important. And also having some way of reflecting on how things are going, i.e. a check-in, like all of you guys fill in, um, I think it's really important because how often do we stop and reflect on how our past week has gone? Not very much. And if you're trying to instill some change, then I think that you're you're really going to struggle to do that without some check-in point, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with a coach, again, whether it's with a friend or family. If you're not at some point, it doesn't have to be weekly, if you're not at some point reflecting on how you've been doing, whether that's good or bad, and making adjustments to make the following day, week, month better, um, I think you're really reducing the likelihood of you being successful in implementing that routine and another thing that I use quite a lot is sort of what I call ceiling and floor targets so your floor target is the minimum that we want to achieve something that should challenge you to do better on your worst days but it's also something you you know is achievable and then ceiling target is this is what I'd really love to hit every single day. So in the context of sleep, you might have that as um, a time that you time to be in bed by or a time spent in bed or actual time spent asleep, something like that. And whatever it is that you want to keep track of. So setting some targets there might be helpful as well. Um yeah, those are the main things I would say on implementing routine. So the next one that I'm going to go through is, um, so is there an optimal mix of strength training and running? Sometimes I have to cram all of it into one session or one day. Is this okay or can it be improved? Um, so this is an optimal mix in terms of like the order and all of that as well. So it depends on your goal. If you're predominantly wanting to get stronger, you should prioritize the strength training. If you're predominantly want to get better at running, you should prioritize the running. Um, but also depends on what you're most used to. So say this is advice I could have done with um, about six months ago. <laughs> if you're 
incredibly well trained at running or at lifting and you're trying to introduce the other one, I think you should probably tone down the one that you're very good at for a bit and give yourself some time to adapt to the one that you're not very good at. And again, like with that previous question, give yourself more time than you think you need. Um, because otherwise you'll end up with a, a bad knee like me. Um, and focus on the one that you're not so good at a bit more while you adapt to it. And then you can kind of play around with the, the, the amounts there. Um, so yeah, decide which one, you know, if you don't have a very specific goal, like, you know, you're not a, you don't really run races or you're not a power lifter or whatever, just decide which one you like the most or want to improve at the most. Um, and that doesn't have to stay stagnant. That can change. You can have, you know, use like what I would call training seasons where you focus on one more than the other and that might shift. You know, maybe you're a bit of a fair weather runner. So during the nice weather, you focus a lot on the running and you tone down the lifting a little bit. And then maybe in the winter, you hibernate a bit, you drag yourself out for a couple of 5Ks here and there, um, but mainly focus on lifting in the gym, which I've got to say is the way I would do it. Um, and but I think generally like a 50-50 mix if you don't have massive goals either way is probably a pretty good way and from people that I've worked with that are generally exercising for health running's the thing that they sort of fell into because they were trying to exercise and then they tried it and liked it and then they started to do some weight training with me you know two runs two gyms has always worked pretty well um and then you can kind of add takeaway from there, dependent on your circumstances, your goals, and all of that. Um, in terms of the second sort of part of this, like sometimes having to cram it all into one day or one session, that is absolutely fine. Because I would rather you, if the option is, I either have to cram all of this into one day, or I have to skip one of them cram it into one day provided that's an option because having two of those sessions even a slightly reduced output is going to be better than skipping one of them entirely now this isn't always always the case but I would in general err on the side of getting the training in as opposed to not getting the training in and for me it's as simple as that that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to never miss sessions and you should always, always cram everything in regardless of all the other stuff going on in your life. That's not what I'm saying, but I don't think it's a problem to have to cram stuff in. Now, if you're having to constantly cram stuff in, maybe we have to look a little bit at, are we trying to do too much at the minute? And do we need to scale down for a little bit? Or are we okay with cramming all this in? Um, and that, again, is a personal decision. Lots of personal, it depends. And that's just kind of how every answer is going to be. So too long, didn't listen version of this podcast is, it depends on your goals, your preferences, and personal constraints. So you can stop listening now if you want to. Um, don't actually. So... Yeah, generally, you know, spread it. If you're training a ton, 
it would be good to spread it out a bit um, and you may need to cram things in if you just have you know I know when Jess was doing her race training it would be you know often she'd have four runs and three gyms in a week and we'd try and preserve two rest days so she'd have a couple of days where she doubled up and that's fine if you've got big goals you're gonna have to make sacrifices and have big training days simple as that um if you're on the lower end of the amount that you're doing then ideally spread it throughout the week but if you have to double up you have to double up and again that's up to you so if not tracking food in an app what information should i be recording and how much detail is needed in a food diary so this again is dependent on your goals and your values so for me i break these down into two different parts the quantitative or the data part where we're putting in the three important things for me calories protein and the amount of fruit and veg servings you're getting each day do you need to track every single one of those every single day no but those for me are going to be the three most important metrics to track if you want to track those things it would it be good to track your amount of carbs and fats and stuff like that yeah but i i don't think you need to and if you want to keep it as kind of stripped back as possible then that's what i would do i don't think you should overcomplicate your food diary i think it should be personal to you and it should be recording the things that you care about again why i said go on your goals and values so the other half of this would be more qualitative questions or these you know more written questions you i mean you could do it on a a a scale based at like one to five or something like that which is an easy way to do it or you can actually write down stuff because this is more about feelings and stuff like that so example questions how did that meal make me feel that's a sick rhyme um how hungry was i how satisfied was i post meal did i enjoy the meal how is my energy after that meal and again these questions are purely dictated by your goals and your values my goals for how i want to feel after eating during the week may be completely different to yours so you know for example my meal that i'm going to have in between uh two blocks of pt sessions is purely about something i can have quick something that will fill me up enough that i will be able to train straight after and not go home and have something else to eat my goals and values for my evening meal are actually completely different to that so even within my own day there's different differences there um but generally my goal would be how can i feel at my best at any given moment and how much you want to enjoy each meal may be more or less important to you some people are 
massive foodies or whatever you want to call it and really really get a ton of pleasure and enjoyment and fulfillment from a tasty meal and then some people can treat few feud food as fuel and don't actually really care about how it tastes those people are weird granted um <laughs> and most people obviously fall somewhere in the middle but how important it is to you to really really enjoy every meal you have again is going to completely be down to your values and your goals um so that is where i would basically start with and then flesh it out from there what is the important thing for each of those meals to give you and then keep track of it from there um i would probably restrict it to just a few things like i said and not overcomplicate it but that is where i would go with that okay what is your opinion slash knowledge on the set point theory in terms of weight so for those of you that don't know the set point theory is the idea that our bodies have a certain weight range which they will sort of fight to remain in and it's used as an explanation as to why people may struggle to maintain weight loss and things like that. Uh, I think there's likely some truth in the theory. For example, um, there was a study where they had twins. I think they had seven or eight sets of twins and they fed them all a cow. Let me start that again. They had a, a twin study where they fed them all a lab controlled calorie surplus. I think they all had a thousand calories surplus, which in theory, they should all gain the exact same amount of weight, but the different twin pairs gained completely different amounts of weight, which shows us that some people will compensate for excess calories or eating less calories than other people, which I think lends a bit of credibility to the idea that our bodies may want to settle at different weights. And I think some people probably have more, this has more effect on than others. However, there's always a however. I think as much of an effect that can have, I think the biggest thing is the current food environment that most people are in. So it's skewed massively on the side of maintaining higher weights um, than people would like to be maintaining. And then I think that people not maintaining the weight that they end up losing is more to do with the that environment, but also the terrible options that are available to people for the most part to, to lose that weight, you know, the diet clubs, all that sort of stuff, hence what I'm doing here. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I'd say there's definitely some credibility to that theory and I think some people will experience that a lot more than others but I think that our food environment and also I think we get set in our ways in in many facets of life and you get set into routines with diet exercise sleep all sorts of things and if you can get set into a routine there then your lifestyle is going to dictate how much you weigh. So it's not really that surprising that if we get set in our ways in all those areas of our life, that our weight 
maintains within this range that that lifestyle would dictate given your own sort of biology and all of that so i think that whilst it's a, a an interesting theory and there's several kind of things around it that i think means it's probably got a fair bit of truth i would like people to not think about it quite that much not that i think people do think about it that much but um what whether it's a thing or not the way we're going to manage your weight is not going to change really it just might mean that things are a little more difficult than they would be for somebody else or something like that so i think being aware aware of it is good to know when you're evaluating your progress and things like that so i wouldn't dwell on it too much but i'd be aware of it so that you know if you are struggling to lose weight a lot it might be that you are just one of these people that compensates for their energy deficit more than others and it's not a reflection on you or your willpower or your ability or anything like that it's just a reflection on um, the hand you've been dealt and the fact that you're going to need to take a little bit more time to to lose that weight Um, and also lots of the behaviors related to diet and exercise are subconscious and to an extent not really within our control so what we do within this a coaching environment is try to make as many of these decisions as possible more intentional than they usually are and set up your environment to help you default to preferred behaviors so i think if we can create this more intentional mindful situation set up the environment to help you on days where willpower is lacking and you're not able to quite as effectively consciously make these changes then that's where we're gonna see a lot of a lot of difference and i don't think that a set point in weight is enough to negate completely a completely changed lifestyle because i've seen that for myself i've had plenty of different set points over the years there was a point where my set point was about 96 kilos and at that time i was probably not eating great was probably doing 3000 steps a day was still lifting because i'm always lifting and now i guarantee you i go step on that scale and i'm 87 and a half or 88 kilos and that's because my lifestyle now is completely different the way i eat is completely different i average a lot more steps even though today i've only done about two and a half thousand um and all the way i've you know i've i've ranged from 65 kilos up to 96 and everywhere in between and i've had different set points all the way through that and my own individual experience doesn't necessarily apply to everybody else but what i mean my lifestyle has changed so differently that it's changed what this set point has been and i think you are all capable of doing the same thing but it just may be more difficult for some of you than others so that's enough on that so eating and exercise 
is it better to eat before or after? My short answer is both. But I'll go into a bit more detail. So in terms of before exercise, I would say that a depends how early before. So for most people, this is as well, you know, because again, personal preferences comes into play. But I would say if it's anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes before, I would have something relatively small, um, maybe some simple carbs, sort of get you to and fill your stomach up a bit, get you a bit of energy, all that sort of stuff. Um, if it's, you know, one to three hours before, you could have more of a, an actual meal. How big that is depends on, again, how full you like to be when you train and how, I don't know, sensitive your your stomach is and all that sort of stuff. Um, but basically making sure that you're not hungry during your session and making sure you've got some energy during your session, particularly in the morning. I don't think fa- training fasted is ideal for most people. Um, I think most people that do train fasted have convinced themselves that it is ideal. And I think actually they would probably do better if they got a little bit in before they trained. But, you know, I'm sure people will disagree with me there. Don't really care. Um, now, eating after, absolutely. Um, I mean, you're always going to eat before and after. It's just a case of how how soon. So it's important for recovery. Um Muscle protein synthesis is spiked for a while after resistance training. Um, so we'll basically utilize the protein taken on in that time a lot more uh, efficiently than um, during other times. So as long as you eat a high protein meal sometime after training, then that will do. It doesn't have to be very, very quickly after. Um, yes, the sooner it is, I think, pretty sure the muscle protein synthesis is spiked for I should check this but I think it's the at its highest for a couple of hours after maybe it's probably longer than that actually strike what I just said um but probably sooner is probably better but it also depends on how hungry you get after training um so I've talked about this before but some people people's levels of hunger post-training differ like everything um, some people get very, very hungry after some people cannot eat after. So no, knowing what end of that spectrum you fall on is important. So if you get very elevated hunger signals post training, it might be a good idea to put your largest or most filling meal of the day straight after, um, and vice versa. If you don't get hungry after put a smaller meal after, uh, maybe just a protein shake, something like that. Okay. And last one, this was actually from last week, but I gave this, um, answered this for her and she um, said it really helped out. So I thought I would uh, do it again today in podcast form. I'm just going to have a sip of squash first. Okay, because my mouth was getting dry. So any tips on shaking off the feelings of doom and gloom? So saying that they'd had a, you know, couldn't sort of shake this, this, these negative, um, feelings and all that sort of stuff. So my general advice for that is to appreciate the the little things in your day to day. Like I said about the actions b- before, um, our lives are built up of relatively mundane routines and tasks that we have to do. So if you can find the, um, the joy and the beauty within those, I think that's really important. Um, being able to go on a quick walk around the town 
and just enjoy being out in the fresh air. Um, enjoy going and getting your favorite coffee or your favorite treat from a shop or whatever it is. Like really enjoy those moments and make the most of them. Um, <clears throat> but also your outlook can completely change your perception of the exact same day. You could run the exact same day side by side. And if you go into it looking to focus on the positives, you'll have a great day. If you go in focusing on the negatives, you can have a terrible day. And all that's changed there is the way you've decided to view everything that's gone at you that day. I know for me, I had this exact same thing. Um, it was a, a Friday and uh, I just listened to a podcast where Emma Story Gordon had said this exact same thing. And she said, next day that you have, or when you're listening to this, try and just focus on positives. Because if you focus on positive things, you will notice more of them. It's like, if you say that you've, you know, you you start to, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, let me carry on. Um, and so, yeah, I had the, this Friday where I had a really busy day of PT and then it was pissing it down and all of this sort of stuff. And could would have been very easy to go in and go, oh, God, I've got so many sessions to do, so much work to do, and it's raining, and get really down about it. But I had that in my head and had an amazing day. So it's not easy to do every single day, obviously, but our mood is far more in control far more in our control than we realize so focus on as many positives as you can go into the day literally thinking I'm just gonna focus on all the good things about this day and you'll notice that the negative stuff starts to just sort of fade away um yes those that's my main advice for that um and also things like you know when people do affirmations all that sort of stuff that's not really my sort of thing but I think reminding yourself of all the things you're really grateful for is definitely a helpful exercise to do. Um, reminding yourself of where you are now compared to where you were at a different time and how, you know, maybe you're at exactly where you wanted to be five years ago. Um, so I think being grateful for that and, you know, grateful for the people in your life, um, go and seeing, uh, a friend that you've not seen for a while, spending some time with your family, all that sort of stuff. Um, and also just recognizing that these feelings of doom and gloom and and feeling negative are part of life. It's going to happen. Like everything else, there are going to be peaks and troughs. And life is just about riding the wave, really, whether that's about training or about your mood. So I'm going to finish that there. I've actually got through that pretty quickly, to be fair. I thought this was going to take me way longer. Um, so as always, if you've got any questions off the back of this, um, give us a message on SK strength, Facebook or Instagram. Um, keep forgetting that this is a, um, never follow a fad that again, video and not just a podcast. So I'm kind of unsure how to end this. Anyway, I'm just going to end, um, never follow a fad diet group, comment your questions below or fill in your check in for next week. Anybody else send me a message, send me an email. Uh, nice one.